Good to have you. Final hour of the Bill Michaels Show, and we are at uh, Road America. We're going to go to Mike Clemens coming up here shortly. He is up at Lambeau and up inside the Arenitsky Training Center and such and field and the Hudson Center and uh, Packers training camp going on. So we're going to wrap up the hour at the bottom with Mike. But uh, joining us up here right now, the Wisconsin native uh, from the Xfinity Series driving up here this weekend. Josh Balecki is here. How you been, man? I'm good. I'm ready to go racing in front of a home crowd. This is, is awesome. It is so weird because the Wisconsin drivers show up 10 minutes early. And they've got their social media, and you're tweeting and texting and doing all the different stuff you need to do. And all the other drivers show up 10 minutes late, and they've got handlers, and they've got a bunch of people. And you guys just show up. It's like, you know, it's 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 a different value here I'm in Wisconsin. I'm a one-man band, so I do, I do all my own social media, my own PR. Um, I'm, I'm here giving this interview, and I'm going to drive the race car later, too. So, uh, yeah, I don't have service at our hauler. We don't have the Cup Series haulers here, so there's right. no there's no Wi-Fi over there. So right. I've come here to uh, to give some uh, some social media. Awesome. Uh, so let, let's talk about the track first and foremost because they completely redid it. And yes. uh, when the IndyCar guys were here, they said uh, there aren't. Uh, it's so smooth. There's no warnings. Whereas on tracks, you can feel the humps starting to come where they've been hitting the brakes over the years, changing the track or a groove in it. Here, it's fresh. It's new. And have you got out and walked it yet? I have not because I've actually been on it in a, in a race car multiple okay. times. Um, so I'm probably one of the only drivers in the Xfinity Series field here this, this weekend uh, that has driven the track. And I drove right. the track when there wasn't much grip. I drove the track when there was a lot of grip. And, uh, you know, after the fresh repave, there's obviously not a lot of rubber laid down yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I drove it a couple of weeks ago with a lot of rubber, and it's fast. It's very yeah. smooth. It's very fast now. Uh, but it's, uh, it's a fine line because there's rubber on the racing line. If you go off the racing line by a foot, there's no rubber, and it's really, really slick. Yeah. So uh, it's it's going to have its own challenges for sure, but I expect lap times to be fast, probably track record setting here this weekend in the Xfinity Series. I uh, I know they set the track record with the um, IndyCars yeah. uh, by like four seconds. It, it wasn't even a middle second. It was four seconds. They were a lot faster than they've been the last couple of years, and even the Trans Am Series here, which are very comparable with our cars that we're racing here this weekend, uh, the Trans Am cars went faster than they've gone the last couple of years. So. Yeah, uh, very. Uh, I'm very excited to get on track, and I think that the track record is going to be broken. So racing in Wisconsin. Now we were talking about this before because, much like the Milwaukee Mile, the mile was there, and then it wasn't, and it was there, and it wasn't, and now it's kind of coming back a little bit. Uh, but like everybody's story is, I grew up racing, and then you can pick it. You can say, you know, out in Beaver Dam, I grew up in Slinger, I grew up in Lacrosse. Where'd you grow up? Racing here. Yeah. Uh, here at the go-kart track here, uh, down on the carousel, I grew up racing at uh, Badger Car Club in Dousman, so yeah. I'm very fortunate. I still live around here, so I still get to come here to Road America a lot, drive my go-kart on the go-kart track, yeah. drive my go-kart at Badger Car Club in Dousman, where I grew up racing every single weekend from ages 4 and a half to 10, 10, 11. Right. So, uh, yeah, I cut my teeth on road courses, you know, which is not very common for, for NASCAR because we raced, you know, 25 26 circle tracks a year so most of the guys in nascar cut their teeth on circle track racing i have never raced a slinger speedway in my life I, really? I graduated from Slinger High School. And I've never raced. <laughs> I was going to say out there, yeah. you had to. Yeah, so it's uh, it's it's very uncommon. Um, I'm cutting my teeth right now in dirt racing. I'm going to be racing at Plymouth Speedway tonight right. on dirt in a sprint car, which is the first time I've ever raced. Uh, well, I, I raced two weeks ago in a sprint car, but uh, I'm trying to do more because my background doesn't have a lot of circle track racing. Right. So I have some gaps in my schedule right now. I'm trying to fill them with some uh, some forms of racing that I haven't done much. What have they got to do to get you at the Slinger Nationals? Because that's like racing in a salad bowl. I, I need a little bit of sponsorship dollars. Honestly, that, that's, that's about it. Um, I've had opportunities, and I've had teams come to me and say, hey, we have a car available, and it just hasn't really lined up. Um, 
you know, sponsorship wise. And, right. and, uh, I, I really hope to race that race next year. Every year though, I say next year's the year, next year's right. the year. Uh, I think I'm going to put some more emphasis on it next year yeah. and hopefully race there. Cause it's a cool track. You, uh, Cause I know Matt Kenseth has come back and raced yeah. uh, at that numerous times. Yeah. Do, do you, Kenseth, how much do you cross paths with him at all? Not much. My first cup race, uh, I believe he was still in the field, and that was in 2017. Then he retired. Then he came yeah. back. So I, I've raced with him. I haven't really ever had the chance to talk to him, unfortunately. Um, I've talked to many of the other Wisconsin guys, but yeah. never Matt, and which is odd because I grew up, you know, when I was eight years old watching Matt Kenseth race. You know, I was I was seven years old when he won yeah. the championship. So I'd love to talk to him. Uh, I just I never really had the opportunity. So if you're going to sit down and ask Matt something, your first question would be. What? I'd, I'd ask him for career advice. I'm in a weird spot right now where I drive for some small teams, and, and I haven't won a race. I want to go win a race, so I'd ask him, Matt, if you're in my shoes with the sponsorship dollars I have right now, racing's, racing's in a weird spot right now because you need sponsorship yeah. dollars to go race. You know, I can't race off family money, so I'd ask him, Matt, what would you do if you were in my shoes or if, if you're my agent, what would you do? You know, I'd, right. I'd, have, some, I'd have some conversations with him like that. So um, right now, racing, you had mentioned it's, a, it's in a weird spot right now because there's a big schism between the haves and the have-nots. Watching the haulers come in yesterday, it was interesting. A majority of the haulers, and then you saw small teams yep. in their own cars, their own, you know, uh, haulers, so to speak. How big of a difference, how big of a gap is there monetarily right now in racing? It's massive. I mean, the, the money that we're spending this weekend is maybe a quarter of what the top teams are spending. Yeah. And, and I'm very thankful for our sponsors. Our sponsors are awesome. And this track being Road America, you know, being a road course, it's, a, it's an equalizer for sure. When you go to the circle tracks, it's a little bit more dependent on the car you're in. The car that we're in that I'm driving this weekend is, you know, it's a five- or six-year-old chassis, whereas Joe Gibbs might have the newest technology, the newest uh, chassis but they also have a group of 100 plus people you know 200 people for their xfinity program and we only have 10 full-time employees right so you're up against the odds but when you come to road america it's it's a great equalizer that's why i love coming here i mean it's my home track too right. but uh we can be competitive here and, and kind of outweigh the car when we're on a circle when we're on a road course like this. so explain to people because i know there's a lot of technology that goes into it but when you talk about it people look at it as it's a car it's an engine you hit the pedal to the to the floor and you go fast. How come there's such a difference between the people that have money versus the people that don't if it's all the same? A lot of setup. I mean, it, it's primarily just setup and, and technology, too, with, with the chassis and how the chassis are designed. You know, Joe Gibbs, they're not going to sell us their newest chassis, which is the fastest chassis, which they only have. Right. Um, they're not going to sell us that. And those, those chassis were designed by, you know, 50 engineers that we only have one engineer. You know, actually, I don't think our Xfinity team has a real engineer either. So it's, uh, you know, the Cup Series team I drive for, we have one engineer, and we're racing against Hendrick, who has 200 engineers, you yeah. know, or 150 engineers. So um, it's it's really just setup. I mean, right. and, and obviously the more money you have, the, the more horsepower you get too. Right. Uh, but the biggest thing is setup. Yeah. Um, and so, it, but you said uh, a road course can be the biggest equalizer for the fact that, what, if, because you, one, you know the track, and two, it's not just go fast, turn left. Yeah, exactly. I mean, a track like this, there's 14 corners, so there's 14 opportunities to make mistakes, and a guy like myself who has a lot of experience on a road course like this, especially here, you know, if, if I nail 13 out of the 14 corners, but a guy in a Joe Gibbs car, you know, only nails half of them, you know, our lap times can be very similar. So right. uh, I love coming to tracks like this, the road courses, and uh, if it rains, that's even more of an equalizer. When you get some of the Xfinity guys that are uh, the uh, NASCAR Cup guys that come down to the Xfinity Series, do you get a chance to chat with them and say, you know, kind of like, because there's a, everybody's got a story of how they went from point A to point B to, to rise to that level. Do you get 
a chance to sit down and chat with those guys? Quite a bit, because I still run a lot of NASCAR Cup races. Right. Um, you know, and I was full-time in the Cup Series in 2021, so I was able to make some friends with, with some of the higher-ups. I mean, Martin Truex Jr., who's one of the hottest drivers right, right. now, and talked to some of those guys. And, you know, a lot of them might not completely understand the position I'm in with the sponsorship I have. A lot of the sponsors like to be in the Cup Series because yeah. even if you're running 25th in the Cup Series, it might be more exposure than running 10th in the Xfinity Series. Um, so I, I do get to talk to a lot of those drivers quite a bit. And even guys, it's funny. I'll talk to some, you know, a fan that says, hey, we hate Kyle Busch. I'm like, man, I, <laughs> I love, like, Kyle. Kyle's a buddy of mine. Him and I have talked quite a bit. Um, right. He's been super cool to me. Yeah. So, uh, and, and the other thing I was going to ask you is, because you've had cup experience, so coming to the Xfinity Series, you would assume you'd have this following of sponsorship. And you, like you said, you're a one-man band. Why? Uh, it's just, it's tough, because the sponsors that we have, I mean, they're great. Like I said, yeah. Zodrata Group, Trimtex, Drywall Products this weekend, um, they're great. But the sponsorship dollars that we have in Cup, you know, just doesn't compare to what some of the other teams are spending. You know, the $20, $30 million sponsors, uh, our sponsors uh, are, you know, a very small fraction of that. Right. Do you, now, are you the one knocking on the doors? Yes. or Really? Yep. Yeah, I'm, I'm a one-man band. So during the week, I'm a, I'm a salesperson selling myself. Yeah. But, but that's my question is because you raced in the Cup Series. You know what you had to do. You were around all of that. And yet you choose to kind of be the one-man band. I don't choose it. I, I wish that we had more help. Um, it's just very tough to find people that you trust. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, that's part of it, too, is to find people that you trust. Yeah. And then contracts and such yep. with different race teams. And would you uh, do you like doing it, kind of being the one-man band? Or would you like the, uh, the overall comfort of, say, racing for a Gibbs? I love the comfort of, of having more people of, have more people help me. I mean, on weekends like this, this is my home race, and it's it gets stressful because right now, I mean, I'm emailing somebody who hasn't got their credential yet, and yeah. I should be focusing on being a driver, you know, right. prepping for for tonight's races, um, uh, you know, practice and qualifying, and instead, I'm getting I'm getting emails from somebody who hasn't got their credentials yet. But it is what it is. I love it. I, I wouldn't change it. Uh, you know, and hopefully one day I have extra people to kind of help me. You're not like jumping into the car, checking your phone, no. to make sure everybody's in, are you? No, no. I say an hour before practice i'll just put the phone away and say all right if you haven't gotten it yet you haven't gotten it sorry <laughs> i can see you with a dash cup you know just you know you get your phone up there i make, right? I make sure they're taken care of I, yeah. i'll make sure that they have our team owners and our uh, you know our team pr uh their their numbers yeah okay well great luck to you man best of luck and uh, great to talk to you again i know what you, you said it was a couple years ago a couple I think years we were, ago we talked yeah we were chatting again so oh, we'll make it an annual visit here and then you know who knows so what is your let me tell you ask you this what is your goal other than the winter race. You know, obviously everybody says win. Uh, a big weekend for us in the equipment we're in is a top 10. You know, this being my home track, a top five would be a win for us. Realistically, I think we'll go out there and be an 8th to 15th place car. Um, so if we can practice and qualify somewhere within that top 15, maybe top 12, yeah. uh, I'll be really happy with that. And then we're also racing a sprint car tonight at Plymouth, which yeah. is only my third ever sprint car race. And uh, there's going to be a lot of cars there. We have two top tens there in that series so far. So another top ten tonight would be pretty cool in the sprint yeah. car. Yeah, good stuff. Well, best of luck. You, and you've run sprint car a couple of times, right? Just twice. Just, Just twice? Two, two races so far. Yeah. We were going to race last weekend. Sprint car is a whole different animal. It is, and that's why I'm doing it because yeah. my, my background doesn't have a lot of types of racing 
um, other than road course racing. So I'm yeah. trying to expand my my horizons right now. Well, good luck, man. Good Thank luck. You. And it's it should be a lot of fun. Just don't roll those things. They, we don't want to. There's been a lot. Sprint of Sprint calls though. roll. Those, yeah. They just keep going and keep going. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break. Josh Balicki joining us here in uh, the uh, the Victory Lane uh, headquarters. Here, going to be racing this weekend at Road America. Thanks so much, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thank you for having me. Let's do this. We'll step away, take a quick break. More racing chat when we come back. Stay tuned. We got more of the Bill Michael Show live at Road America coming up right after this. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back. A reminder, coming up at the bottom of the hour, Mike Clement's going to be joining us. We'll talk with Mike as to uh, what goes on day three of Packers training camp. Day three of Packers training camp. And uh, we'll see if the criticism of Jordan Love is warranted. And we'll get Mike's opinion on all of this. Uh, Daryl Hemrick right now joining us here inside Victory Lane in our studios here today. How you been? I'm good, man. It's been good. Uh, well, first off, it's been a good season, but it's always good to come up here to this state. Love the weather. Love this racetrack. Looks a little different now with the repave. Yeah. Yeah, doing good. Just finished up doing a little track walk. Got a little four miles in. So um, a lot hotter out there than it is in this nice little situation right? you're sitting in. Yeah, yeah. so it's good I to be didn't, here. Uh, I got here at 730 this morning, and I really haven't ventured outside too much. And I w- opened the door a little while ago and had to had to breathe for a second because <laughs> it's getting kind of humid and sticky yes. outside. Yes, it is. So as you walk the track, you're getting ready for the Xfinity race, by the way, tomorrow at 2 o'clock, and uh, tickets still available, go to roadamerica.com. So as you walk the track, um, many of the drivers have said there's nothing distinctive because it's a great road course, but it's completely flat. Yep. There is, you know, they talked about the, the course that had not been paved in a lot, of, a lot of years. Like there were humps, you could feel them coming, oh, and yeah. you knew when to break. Yep. Or a groove, you knew what to hit. There's nothing. It's completely flat. How, how do you go yeah. about that? Yeah, I think um, luckily for me, a lot of my references were like signage and locations on walls and, and visuals in that way. So... Yeah, there's there were in the past a lot of you know oscillation in the racetrack and humps and bumps and all kinds of stuff that you could also use when racing someone. But luckily, a lot of my a lot of my visuals are still there and present. So I don't know if that's a uh, a leg up or not, yeah. but it definitely is a lot smoother. Um, I think I think about getting into turn twelve, it used to be one of the rougher locations. Getting down big downhill in turn five, that was a that was a rough spot trying to outbreak somebody. So. Yeah, it's a it's a lot different, but I think I think a lot's going to correlate. Oh, and the fact that we're probably going to be substantially faster with new pavement. The line I can tell you after doing the track walk looks super narrow um, mm-hmm. from where the Indy cars and all the all the other series that I've ran here since the repave. Um, it might make passing a little a little tough. Um, kind of be the well, <laughs> one of our fellow drivers he used a, a quote a couple weeks ago. He said the the bravest has the right away. So right, there'll be a, be a good bit of that this weekend here at Road America, I believe. I was uh, years ago. We were out in uh, San Francisco for Super Bowl. And we went to Sonoma. We were out walking around the track mm-hmm. there. We got a little bit of access with the NFL. And when we were sitting there talking, there was a group of drivers there, and they started talking and said, "No, by far, Road America is where they love to come. Yes, because it's old school and because of the up and downs and all that kind of stuff." Tell me what is special about this track as opposed to a lot of the other tracks that you go to. For me, it's uh, I mean, there's history at all the other racetracks, but immediately when you ask that question, I, I remember seeing a Roger Pinsky onboard camera, like one of the first onboard cameras ever produced around this place back. Yeah. I'd be lying to you. I told you what the year, I want to say the 70s. Uh-huh. And 
that was incredible. That was like 10 years before I actually raced here. I actually saw that video. Yeah. Um, so to come here and honestly, like other than, you know, buildings being redone and whatnot, like the exact trees hanging over the same as they were then. Right. Like, so to walk this place, race this place and get appreciation for that, to know that it's so much still the same as it was back then. Um, all the greats that have won here that have raced here, the greats that haven't won here, right? People that tried right. time and time again and didn't, that weren't, uh, weren't successful. I think that's just racing up this part of the country. It's, it's, uh, it's just a different fan base that we don't get to touch a lot, right? So, yeah. um, and you feel that. You feel that, especially we do driver intros. We get through a ride around the truck, um, you know, around this whole facility. And, man, the fans are, are pumped up and having a yeah. good time. And, um, and it, I'm a little biased, too. We have a lot of friends that live up this way. So yeah. uh, we get to see them once a year. And, yeah, it just, just makes it a little more special than some of the others. It's interesting because, you know, they talk about fan presence versus, you know, they raced mm-hmm. in Chicago and such. And but up here, they they you know, you go back last year when the Cup Series was here, they had over one hundred and fifty thousand people here. Incredible I mean, they, number. You know, so it's not about the fans that come out because no. here this is a racing area. You're drawing from Chicago. You're drawing from Minnesota. You're drawing yep. from all of Wisconsin and even over in some in Michigan and even in mm-hmm. Iowa. I mean, fans come from all over for this thing. And that's what also makes it special is is you feel that. Like, like I say, when you ride around and you see, you know, like you see the merchandise sales here, you see the, the different different people that you know guys wearing your shirt your buddy's right. shirt like it's just it's so enriched with so much passion and, and these race fans i mean they love it and um yeah and a lot of them it's the one race they get to come to a year so um obviously i think a lot of cup guys are disappointed not to be here this year but like from from it puts us as a big show i feel like right as right. Like, so many series like they have been for a lot of the years when we'd run this weekend like it makes it to where you know we're the we're the show and the fans don't seem to it doesn't it doesn't push them off they yeah. keep showing up and showing out and that's really cool in, in a course like this you talked about the bravest has the right of way um is this more about setup or is this more about driver because not just yeah. setup but also a, a, you, one false move in the pits with your team and you're screwed here too. yeah yeah so which that actually has changed for us in the xfinity series this week there's a little bit more of a controlled element to the pit stop side of it but i always felt like when you go to the other road courses, um, Sonoma might be a little bit of an exception to what I'm about to talk about, but, you know, your car had to be really good. You had to be really good as a driver, but you had to have both and a really good team, like you said. But there was something always, like, I always said that when I came to Road America, I was terrible in practice. I say terrible, like we'd always be ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th. Yeah. But I also knew that before the repave, at least, when the, the tires would fall off, you know, we'd see three, four seconds of fall off with our Xfinity cars, and... I felt like at least all the drivers like to think they can manage it a little bit better than right. the guy they're next to. And all of those events I talked about practicing 10th, 11th, 12th, at some point we'd be leading the race with a shot to win. And I felt like at that point some of the drivers could out-discipline some others. Um, the repave is a bit of an unknown for that. Um, yeah. I think it's going to put a little bit more into the, the downforce and the quality of your race car. Um, but I talked about how treacherous the groove is going to be. I think it's going to be pretty narrow. Um with that being the case, it does fall back a lot on the driver still in that in that scenario. So, yeah, it's a it's a little bit of a twofold answer for you, but it's um it's going to take it all. It's racing, it's motorsports, it yeah. takes it all. The IndyCar guys were worried because they said there wasn't enough rubber on the track to really give you a wide groove. So if you got outside of it to try to make a move, you're kind of like skate. You know, you're skating. Yeah, yeah, you're committed. You're, you're on ice. And so it made it even tougher. They said it was basically follow your line until yep. you found an opening. Mm-hmm. Is patience, does that, is no that the virtue here? No doubt. Yeah, I think especially for those guys. Um, I got a, a couple of buddies that run the IndyCar stuff. My buddy Scotty McLaughlin just ran here in the IndyCar. 
not too many weeks ago, and he was saying, like, the typical run you would have to pull out of line and make a pass here prior to the repave, like, you just had to, had to have a little bit more momentum than a guy next to you to get in there and get get offline and, and get him beat or, or gain leverage, if you will. Um, now he said that run's got to be about three times as big, so you can actually get in there, know you're going to have this big loss of grip because you're getting out of the racing groove, mm-hmm. and hopefully you can blend back into it before he gets to turn back underneath right. you. So, yeah, it's going to take a lot of patience. Uh, I think a lot of uh, kind of discipline from a surgical standpoint, like just being very, very precise and, and intentional, not just balls of the wall letting it rip. Yeah. It's going to be... You're doing that, you're going to get yourself in trouble, I think. Uh, I'm gonna let, before I let you go, I was telling you the story. But when we were here during the IndyCar guys, a couple of them kind of started challenging each other from the days going mm-hmm. back to karting. Before you know it, we had like an IndyCar race at the go-kart at the Metroplex in the middle of the night, which was, was completely <laughs> awesome. Um, you guys get into any stuff like that? I mean, I know there's yeah. going to be guys racing sprint cars tonight and going at it and, you know, having fun. So we're not getting into any of, any of that up here this weekend, but we do get into that stuff. Yeah. I, I vividly remember there's a, another record we surround on the schedule that we don't go to anymore but everybody always talked about hey we're, we're going to a go-kart tonight and i was thinking okay you're going to like a little little theme park or something down the road right. with your buddies and no this is like full-blown racing go-karts in the back of somebody's yard and an amish guy actually would pay money for like future <laughs> events one after another he was like next thing you know we come back three or four years in a row there's live timing and scoring there's stadium lights like he got out of hand um that was a lot of fun but you know those are the memories like we're all so entrenched in in the discipline of what it takes to be good at this that a lot of times you don't let your guard down and go have a little mm-hmm. fun. I promise you, what you're talking about, those yeah. guys had a lot of fun. And, oh, they were just, just we've killing each other, yeah. yeah. That's a good it was time. All, we, uh, one time at the mile, have you ever raced in Milwaukee? So mile? I have not. My wife has, but I have not. Your wife has ra- yes. raced the mile? Yeah, really? yeah, yeah. We, uh, we, we met racing. She doesn't race now. Wow. She's a great mom to our two kids back okay. at home, but, um, but she raved about how much she loved the mile. The ARCA race guys one year, this was, God, a couple of, maybe almost two decades ago, mm-hmm. the food carts that they push around, they bring it yeah. in, all the sweets. There was like 10 of them, and they put the wives on them and started shoving them down the track. (laughs) Guys are running from end end of the pit to the other end of the pit, racing down and back. I I mean, I've seen guys, they'll race anything. Exactly. Which is amazing. So good stuff. I tell you what, man, best of luck to you. Thanks for swinging by. It's absolutely awesome to talk to you, and uh, and we'll be uh, be watching you come tomorrow. Looking forward to it, yeah. I'm driving the uh, Circle Chevrolet. uh, Yeah, it's going to be a fun weekend. Love being here. Number? Uh, 11. Number 11. So watch out for that, too, if you're watching on TV tomorrow. Good stuff, all right? Appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate it. We're going to go ahead and talk to Mike Clemens coming up next. Talk some Packers football, Packers training camp. Stay tuned. we got more of the Bill Michael Show coming up next. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Michael's show. We continue on. A couple of segments to go before we get out of here. And uh, great to get to Daniel Hemrick on. Daniel was uh, just a blemish. Mean, Josh Balicki's also great to, to talk to. Daniel is such a, a good story. And uh, he his wife raced all the way up to ARCA. And that's how they met. And then, uh, you know, like he said, timing wasn't great for her and him and then they got married and then uh, they had kids and so she gave up the racing he's still racing obviously but uh great story uh daniel hemrick uh and uh, good to get the, those guys uh, both him josh balicki everybody for that matter uh, on the program today mike clemens is in green bay mike how you doing today very good because i had so many great conversations i just got out of the packers locker room and you know why 
it's because everybody's body still feels pretty good, you know, three days into <laughs> it. So, you know, I've got some, some tremendous information. You have been talking about how, all right, day one on uh, Wednesday, and they're in helmets and shorts. They're going to put on the pads on Monday. That's not necessarily up to Matt LaFleur. That's the rules he's got to file or, or work under from the NFL and the CBA, CBA. First day at the end of the day, they decide, yeah, defense, you know, won the 11-on-11 team competition. And so they, they you know, sort of call it competition and consequences. So the defense got to pick what the offense had to do, and it happened again yesterday. Offense came up short. Defense had a better day. And so you saw the offense having to go down the ground. So I asked Matt LaFleur, and here's Rasul Douglas about this new thing that LaFleur has put into comp- into practice, the, the competition, and there's some consequences. Yeah, uh, we, just, we just decide on what we want to do, what the consequence should be for the loser, uh, offensive defense, and then we do it. So yesterday we decided on doing up-downs, and then the defense picked the number, and we picked 10. So the owner offense lost. They had to get down in front of everybody and, and do the 10 up down. And the day before, yes, it was push up, 10 push up. Sit ups on the way. Uh, do you want to? You want us to make that tomorrow? We can make that tomorrow <laughs> if you want. If you think so. All right, tomorrow we'll, we'll tomorrow we'll do sit ups then. Like this? No. You can do whatever you want. But it puts a little more juice on it, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because you don't want to do it, especially not them damn up downs. You don't want to do up downs, especially not the, the whole practice. Yeah. Yeah, it just there's a different theme each each day in terms of what we what we're trying to get accomplished. Um, but I, I do think there's a lot of benefit in terms of you can feel the intensity kind of raise up a little bit. Guys are are talking a little bit more trash to one another, and that naturally heightens the intensity. And these guys want to compete, and we, we're competing in every period, but. We just have a, a consequence for, for the loser that doesn't win the competition period, including myself. I'm always the loser. So, <laughs> so my uh, is the head coach calling yourself always the loser. I don't know if that's the best thing to do, but self-deprecation is not a bad way to go. So, uh, Mike, uh, I, I, I don't know necessarily where we want to go with everything today, but I will ask you this. There was uh, some some grades and questions and criticism and such for the first couple of days of Jordan Love. And be, I, I said part of it's because of the expectation or the bar has been set so high that we have a different expectation because of the play of Aaron Rodgers. Now you have to come back down to earth a little bit. Is any criticism of Jordan Love at this point warranted? Uh, I'm not really paying attention to that because on the first day it was windy uh, they try to ask questions of Matt LaFleur about, man, he kind of missed bad on a couple of those deep passes. Was there a miscommunication? Did the guy run the wrong route? Does the guy, you know, have a rubber arm when you get a 25-mile-hour wind? And all LaFleur did was smile and say, what wind? In other words, like, the wind is not an excuse. The wind doesn't exist in the NFL at Lambeau Field in December. You've got to, you know, you've got to figure that out. Um, I'm not ready to judge uh, Jordan much at all. You know what I'm trying to look for is guys that are cutting through, guys that are coming up. And I think I've already got my my eye on a guy, and that's number 18. His name is Malik Heath, mm-hmm. 6'2", out of uh, Mississippi, undrafted kid that they got. Um, and, man, you know, he starts, he's like, God, this 18, he's, he looks great in that rep. Wow, look at They've got him out there with the first team. Today, LaFleur did that thing where he calls two-spot. 
You know, he's got this limited amount of snaps or time that he can have the guys on the field. So what he'll do is he'll have the first team on one end of the field, uh, first team defense against first team offense, and then the rest of the guys, second and third and fourth teams, they're taking reps on the opposite end of the field. So you've got this thing going on simultaneously. And you've got uh, Adam Stenovich calling the second team, and you got LaFleur of the walkie-talkie calling plays into Jordan Love's ear. Except it got to be one point where LaFleur said, hey, Tom, come here. He hands the, the walkie-talkie and the play sheet to Tom Clements, the quarterback coach, to call the rest of the plays on the sheet while he runs up to this 18, this kid out of Mississippi, uh, Malik Heath, to talk him up on technique. Him and Jaden Reed, you know, like for slot guys. Mm -hmm. I mean, and then I talked to Elton Jenkins, you know, who's originally from Mississippi. Uh, I talked to, you know, the quarterback, uh, Sean Clifford. They're, they are all, they're already talking about number 18, Malik Keith, like, yeah, this kid's exciting. He's smart. Uh, how did they get a hold of him? So, Mike, um, you know, you always find that diamond in the rough. You're always looking for some guys that can be impact players. Then there's guys that are here that are impact players, guys that are expected to be impact players and Musgrave and, and Tucker Craft and company and just the weaponry they need to succeed for uh, for Jordan Love. And, you know, uh, you, you had mentioned yesterday the guys that went out to, and spent time with Jordan Love and they wanted to be a part of what it is that uh, they're trying to build here. So so talk about how all of that has culminated and began to fit in or has helped in some way, shape, or form Jordan Love and the tight end group and that wide receiver group and really Aaron Jones and his group, as a matter of fact, because Aaron paid for a lot of that. At tight end, it's Tyler Davis, then it's Josiah DeGora. Maybe DeGora's at the top of the jet chart, but I don't know why. Every time you ask Gutekinds about the tight end position, he always starts with, you know, oh, yeah, we got TD. Tyler Davis, I think he's, I think he's just a guy. Anyway, but then, you know, Mercedes Lewis is not coming back, so you drafted Luke Musgrave in the second round out of Oregon State, and he's he's NFL pedigree. I mean, his dad, his grandfather were NFL players, coaches, uh, and very bright guy. And we talked to him yesterday. But then there's the other guy is is Tucker Kraft, out of South Dakota State, really well built kid, six foot five. So guess what? I mean, he got into that tight end school that Tunyon and Mercedes Lewis would go to that's run by George Kittle and Travis Kelsey in Nashville, and, and Rob Gronkowski came to talk to them today too. Now, I've been around Gronk because of our trips to the Super Bowl, and I, and I said to Tucker, you know, when you're growing up and you're watching Gronkowski doing post-game uh, rah-rah interviews on the field, or you see him selling, you know, Subway sandwiches or something like that. He's, he's the Gronk. But when you're around him, he's a very serious football IQ guy. And that's what Tucker Kraft said he learned this spring in Nashville. And listen to him talk about some of the guys that he was exposed to as a rookie that talked about what it really takes to cut it in the NFL. Yeah, that's, uh, I would love to be at that point. Um, listening to any of those guys talk, Greg Olson, George, Trav, um, Listening to those guys talk in front of the room, it really like, like I know I'm a rookie, but that made me feel like I just started walking yesterday. Um, so like, that's like something I'm trying to learn here is conceptual offense, not not like I said earlier, like lines on a paper, like having knowing my rules 
And if I see something different on the field, knowing, okay, like, now I have this, just like that checklist. I mean, I still don't. Sometimes I feel like a liability. You know, I hear a play that I hadn't heard in a long time, um, and I'm like, is that new? When did we, is this, did we, did we put this in? Um, so that's like, like today. Um, we had, like, silent snaps, and I went out there, and, like, that's when we learned it. So, really? Yeah. No well, it was it was pretty easy, but um, it's also just, like, not panicking. Um, just kind of taking a, like, really just locking in on what the quarterback has to say in the huddle, and then you have help out there. Like, if I'm, I'm out there blocking outside zone, like, the quarterback gets, or the running back get, gets paid, too. He's going to press the gap, come back up. There's, uh, um, like I'm outside zone, like I'm blocking. Like I also have help from inside with the tackle, based on defense shifts, things like that. Like it's you, you have a lot. You can always ask people on the field like what they have to help break down what you have. Boy, you talk about depth of insight there, Mike. Right? I mean, just the search for knowledge and the explanation to it and the perception as to what it is knowledge-wise you have coming into the NFL versus guys that have been here that know what they're doing. That That's some really good insight right there. He's a sick kid. He's a very physical kid. But, man, Ted Thompson would love that kid because he is so eager to learn, you know, what he can about the game and, and spend his off-season time talking to veterans like that. You know, he'll get out there, he'll struggle, he'll make some mistakes, he'll get some penalties and that type of thing. But, uh, you know, it's going to be – that's a faster track for them to succeed. So um, we've talked a lot about safety. Adrian Amos, smash, now with the New York Jets. I mean, there's nothing wrong bringing that guy back here one more time. And now it's Darnell Savage back there at safety. So who's going to line up next to him? A lot of people thought, well, you know, they, they brought in Jonathan Owens from the Texans and – so everybody just speculated, oh, he'll probably be, you know, the new the new Adrian Amos, right? Well, Adrian Amos was a draft pick, and they paid him a lot of money to leave the Bears in free agency. Uh, you know, Jonathan Owen so far is just a guy. You know who they got back there? Rudy Ford. I was going to say Rudy you know, Ford. Yeah, you know, I mean, he came up with that pick, you know, midseason last year, and they, they liked what he was doing on special teams. And so he said, yeah, you know, fortunately, I'm blessed. I got a couple of breaks in games where I came up with turnovers or made a few smart plays, got a deflected pass here or there. And at the start of this season, they're like, we know what this guy looks like in our secondary in games. He's the one back there along with um, Darnell Savage Jr. Right now at safety, the rest of these guys are all competing for that. I have also talked about maybe the player I'm most excited to see, even though he's a high draft pick, is Jaden Reed out of Michigan State. He wears number 11. Uh, what was he? Uh, he was like a second-round pick, wasn't he? Yeah, second-round pick. And um, not only do you see them working him in the slot, doing the jet sweeps, kind of like the, what they did a couple of years ago with Tyler Irvin and all that, uh, today they had a full punting uh, period, and he was back there returning punts. The mm-hmm. number two guy returning punts was Keyshawn Nixon. He's also been your kick returner, too, great kick returner. But then after practices, they were kicking us out. I looked back. Somebody got the jugs machine, and there's Aaron Jones and Tyler Goodson back up running back. They were taking some punts as well off the jugs machine just in case they want to add their, their names to the depth chart for that position. Always make yourself available, you know. 
Yeah, interesting that uh, they, do, they well, you know, we know Keyshawn Nixon is going to be returning kicks. I think that's pretty much a given, but it's interesting. They're still trying to, you know, kind of figure out who they want back there returning punts at this point. And it show, also shows the emphasis and some of the talk about Rich Bisacci and how many, how many position players he would love to have. It's interesting how much of an emphasis there is through Rich Bisacci on special teams now, you know? There is, there is. And they, you know, who knows if they actually have a punting competition going on as well, even though Pat O'Donnell's, you know, a, a veteran and a good kicker. You know, they got, you know, people were joking about how many people they brought in just for, for assistant head coach Rich Bisaccia. You know, he, he'd take 30 special teams players if he could. Hey, Mike, um, I know Rich Bisaccia talked about having, you know, a bunch of kickers, but has the, the Packers drafted kicker, panned out is you know anders carlson is, is he the guy and and giving confidence to everybody he just kicked that one day bill i think he was like four for five the guys that were kind of keeping stats on it you know we're obviously we'll see him kick off in some preseason games we'll see him try some field goal kicks uh but you know it's a new field goal kicker man you keep your fingers crossed and if he misses three you know week three of the season he may be out on the street, and then they may be, you know, bringing back Mason Crosby or going to Plan C or D or something like that. Mike, you've been doing a lot of training camps. I'm going to just check in with you here before we let you go. But, you know, there's always a crispness to us to it, and I used it again today. I said when you had talked last year about the OTAs and mini camps and the fact that they were being run by, by Jordan Love, and then you said Rodgers showed up at training camp and it was like watching an NFL or takeover for a high school player. I can't help but keep hearing that in my head as people talk about the different criticisms of Jordan Love through the first couple of days of training camp. Is it watching an NFLer, or is it still watching maybe an advanced high schooler trying to get his get his wares going in the National Football League? I don't want to take away from the lightning of 10 points in 10 plays against the Philadelphia Eagles, the best team in the NFC last year. I mean, there was lightning there. And that's why when this organization got fed up with the guy with the darkness retreats and unable to, to reach him unless you FaceTimed him and all that nonsense, they said, you know what, we've, we've seen enough. Let's, let's go for it. Let's find out. Let's just move on. So I, they must think that there's enough there. He, they're not putting him in the Hall of Fame yet. But, you know, if Matthew Stafford has as many – Super Bowl rings is Aaron Rodgers, and, you know, Joe Burrow got to a Super Bowling in his second year. By the way, you know, they're kind of concerned. They, LaFleur said, boy, well, I hope he's okay because we we're looking forward to facing him in joint practices. But, you know, Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan have proved that you can at least get to a Super Bowl, you know, with an average quarterback and all these other great perimeter players and a great defense and great special teams, good coaching, good game plans, plans. The next question is, who can get past Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes if you actually get to the show? Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I agree. Mike, great stuff as always. Appreciate it, and uh, stay cool because I know it's been hot up there, although tomorrow's supposed to be a little bit better. But uh, we'll touch base back again on Monday and get the weekend uh, outlook plus Monday's padded practice from Green Bay from you, okay? Yeah, let me check in after about one fifteen, and I'll have a whole bunch of more interviews and one-on-ones with these guys that we can – play back and and play for listeners okay excellent stuff good stuff buddy i'll talk to you soon thank you bill have a good weekend you too there you go the great
Mike Clemens joining us for a couple of minutes to kind of round things out here for the program. And um, like he said, there was lightning. He doesn't want to rain on the lightning. Does it? I mean, you know, again, what's not said is what's loud. Doesn't want to rain on the lightning. Okay. So you're not seeing lightning right now. But the Packers felt confident enough that there was enough there to move on to, as Mike put it. So it's hopefully things uh, just continue to progress every day. That's all they keep talking about, get better every day. Hopefully the Packers get better every day. Uh, We will step aside. We'll come back. We'll wrap it up. Broadcasting live at Road America. Tremendous day. Weather's hot, sticky, all that kind of good stuff here. It's what you would expect this time of year in Wisconsin. We're just having an absolute blast. Stay tuned. We have got more of the Bill Michaels Show. Final segment from Road America coming up next. This is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Up for the Bill Michaels Show. Uh, for those of you that are sports uh, intake fanatics, I'm actually going to be making an appearance on uh, Scott Farrell's show coming up here in just a little bit, as a matter of fact. Going to be uh, doing some stuff with uh, our buddy Scott, who has questions about Jordan Love, has questions about the Brewers. So we're going to talk a little uh, Brewers baseball, some Packers football and such, maybe even a little Bucks basketball coming up here. In just a little bit. Uh, going to be here this weekend at Road America and uh, going to be enjoying the races today, later this afternoon, and then obviously tomorrow. So if we're out and about, you're up here and you want to say hi, by all means. Uh, we'd love to, you know, I'm probably going to head over to uh, the uh, the ice cream shack here shortly. i got to get some ice cream today. i got good ice cream here. So I'm going to go over and grab one of those and do a little grilling out tonight and hanging by the bonfire on a hot, sweltering sweltering evening for sure. But uh, nevertheless, we're going to be here at uh, Road America all weekend long. And I, I can't say thanks enough to John Ewert, who is, uh, treats us like gold. Uh, Dan Stockrow, who is awesome, and Larry and everybody else that works over there in that IT department. They get us up and running every time we come here. And it is not a problem at all. And thanks to... Uh, Thanks to Brian Walters and his wife, who always take care of us in the camping section. So always good to be here. Mary Lou and the uh, marketing staff, they always do a great job here. So thanks to all of them for having us. And then we're going to be back in studio uh, next week. We'll be back on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Thursday, we're going to be at the Wisconsin State Fair back at the Goose Island Ale House in the Bud Pavilion. So if you're going to go to the fair, come on by and say hi. And then on Thursday night... Off we go uh, for the uh, 14, 12, 14-hour drive, depending on, uh, you know, how long it actually takes us to get to Sturgis, South Dakota, where a week from Monday we'll be live at uh, Pappy Hoyle Campground in the Full Throttle Saloon. And I know we've been asked uh, to be a part of the Full Throttle show that they're doing. I guess it's coming back on Discovery, and we've been asked to be a part of that. So we're going to be doing, who knows, maybe we'll be on TV at some point too, but uh, we're going to be doing some of that coming up here as uh, then the Packers are getting ready to effort into Cincinnati. So family night next week should be exciting. And then a week later, they're in Cincinnati taking on uh, the Bengals. In the meantime, 
You got Brewers baseball coming up tonight. The Brewers on the road. They're in Atlanta. That Atlanta is the only blemish on their record since June 17th when it comes to winning series. The Brewers uh, have the only series they have lost since June 17th has been against the Atlanta Braves. Good news comes out of the uh, Brewers camp. They did make a trade. Carlos Santana, the uh, first baseman for the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Brewers have picked up, batting uh, 243-ish. And in the meantime, also, Brandon Woodruff had another outing in which he said he feels really good, uh, feels stronger and better. Uh, He uh, had a second outing for the Timber Rattlers, so that was good news. Tonight, you got Adrian Hauser going to the hill with a 386 ERA. He's 3-2 and has pitched admirably. Brewers 57-46, and 46, 11 games over 500, trying to get themselves a couple of wins in this series. Continue just to win series and get up on Cincinnati. Cincinnati, by the way, they are in L.A. taking on the Dodgers tonight. Uh, Williamson on the hill for the, uh, for the Reds. Miller on the hill for the Dodgers tonight. That game 9-10 Central Time this evening. So hopefully the Brewers get a win. Cincinnati takes a loss and the Brewers continue to extend that lead. So there you go. That's going to do it. We're going to wrap it up. Thanks to, again to everybody, staff and management, Michael Kirshner, everybody, the president of the track out here. They always welcome us every year a couple of times with graciousness, and we can't say thanks enough. I love this place. It's near and dear to my heart. Road America in the middle of Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin. So awesome. So time for us to go. Until we talk again on Monday morning, have a going. Swoop! We've got Wisconsin sports covered. W244DR Fitchburg. WOZN Madison. The Zone.